0: Hey there live streamers. Well, the Nola family Thanksgiving may get a little awkward this year. The LCS, well, the home teams held serves. There's some conspiracy theories going on in Cleveland. I think the true answer is a little more simple and met fans shut your eyes, but open your ears for locked On MLB. <laughs> Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan, but please, as my lower third will show you right now, you can call me Sully. Today's episode is being dropped on the 20th day of October. We're now in late October. And if your team is still playing right now, well, then you're a lucky cat and you're not a Met fan or a Cleveland Guardian fan. Hey, I, you could follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer, and I've been podcasting for about a decade right now, and I've been part of the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last four seasons. That's a whole presidential term. And you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram, or you can follow me. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. You know, I was uh, trying my best to follow the game in the afternoon that started around Uh, quarter past one here in California I was at work I teach but and, and for those of you who know I'm I work as a special education teacher in Pasadena and one of the kids in my classroom who's severely on the spectrum happens to be a rabid baseball fan and like your pal Sully knows about the whole league and You know, at some point during the day, I give everyone a little bit of free time. It can't all be super structured. And when we were doing that, it gave me an excuse, and this kid, whose name I won't say, to sit down together, and I would turn on my MLB app, and we listened to a couple innings together of the Padres-Philadelphia game. A couple weeks ago, we listened to the Phillies-Cardinals game, When Philadelphia scored six runs in the top of the ninth inning, we happened to listen to the ninth inning together. And with each run, this wonderful young child would just just light up and beam up. They got another run. They got another run. And the same thing happened today. We happened to flip on the San Diego-Philadelphia game just as the Padres were rallying and it was uh it was terribly exciting and you know what you know I like listening to the game with you know listening on the radio nothing will ever beat that in so many ways and listening with a you know a a young kid like this who just this is one of his ways of expressing happiness we have that in common we have that in common and the two of us just got transfixed by this inning and Soto hitting the double, you know, Nola getting the big hit, Drury getting, you know, getting the home run to sort of chip away at the initial Philadelphia lead. And San Diego won a league championship series game for the first time since 1998, when they clinched the pennant against Atlanta in 1998. So both Philadelphia and San Diego are inching a little bit closer. The Nola family, by the way, that's, you know, Nola, uh, for Aaron Nola, the pitcher for Philadelphia, who was absolutely wonderful in the postseason against both St. Louis and did well against Atlanta, Uh, he pitched well the first few innings, but then the Padres caught up to him. One of the people who got one of the big hits was Austin Nola, his brother. I mean, we've seen situations where brothers have been on – opposing team. I remember the final out of the 1997 American League Championship Series. Roberto Alomar, um, the problematic future Hall of Famer, got a called third strike to end the American League Championship Series. He played for Baltimore that year. And when he got the called third strike, the Cleveland catcher jumped up, you know, thrilled by the result. And that was, of course, Sandy Alomar, his brother. Um the Boyer brothers, um, Cleet and Ken, were players on opposite sides of the 1964 World Series. But this is the first time I can remember, I and mean, maybe there's another turn I don't remember off my head, where one was a pitcher and one was a hitter, and they faced off against each other in the postseason. And while Aaron Nola is the bigger star than Austin Nola, it was Austin Nola who got the big hit. And, of course, Soto got a huge hit later. I'll get back to the Soto acquisition in the final segment here because I want to take that to another fan base right now. And the what looked like was going to be a wild Philadelphia victory because we're a Philadelphia who shut out the Padres in game one, jumped ahead to a 4 nothing lead in game two. And while I don't have a dog in the fight, I'm neither a Philadelphia nor a San Diego fan. I have nothing against either team, and both teams have lots of players who I like rooting for. Uh, I didn't want to see Philadelphia go up two games to none. The reason is because I like both teams, and I think both teams are so unusual in terms of how they got to this point in the postseason, quite frankly, I didn't want the series to be like a sweep or a blowout. When I don't really have a dog in the fight, I want it to go the full seven games or five games in the division series. And so I want the, if you know a couple of people have asked me, who am I rooting for, and I'm going to root for whatever scenario brings us to game seven in San Diego. Now gun to my head, pick a team to win. Um, I suppose San Diego because I've called them Buffalo by the Sea and they need, they need a hug. You know, Philadelphia has had a relatively recent World Series title with the 2008 Phillies and a Super Bowl champion recently. San Diego hasn't done anything like that. Um, also, Bob Melvin, who has won Manager of the Year with the A's, has took uh, a Diamondbacks team with a negative run differential to the League Championship Series in uh, 2007. Now has brought the Padres to the postseason. He's done everything you ask. It's kind of like how Dusty Baker has done anything you can ask in, you know, for the manager to, you know, in terms of manager of the year awards, winning all the awards, having a great career in terms of being a hall of fame manager, you can say the same thing about Bob Melvin. And he's never been a manager of a huge budget team. You know, it's Arizona, Seattle, Oakland, and San Diego, And he's consistently brought winners to all those different franchises. And so if he wins the World Series as a manager, you'd have to consider him as a Hall of Fame manager. Um, And I happen to like Manny Machado. I know I'm not supposed to like Manny Machado. I like Manny Machado. And there's another reason why San Diego winning, would I think, would be good for baseball. Again, wait for segment three to go on that. But with Philadelphia, you know, first of all, I have many, many cousins who grew up, in Wilmington, Delaware, and grew up huge Philadelphia Phillies fans. I went to a game in Philadelphia earlier this year. I had a blast. The city of Philadelphia is fantastic. I got a wonderful time at um, Citizens Bank Ballpark. got a little bit of sweat there. I don't know what's going on. It's it's too hot here in Pasadena, California. But, again, what I want is to go to Game 7. I want Game 7 to be a classic. I want this series to be one of those series like the – 1980 National Championship Series, like the 1986 ALCS and NLCS, like the 1991 World Series, like the 2001 World Series, the 2003 LCS and World Series, and the 04. I want this to be a series where there are multiple classic games. That's what I want. And I want game seven to be a classic. So in so many ways, I'm going to be flipping back and forth between San Diego and Philadelphia in this series. And I want Game 7 to be one of those, wow, could you believe how that series ended? That's, That's all I want. All I want is an unbelievable, timeless classic. And to have something that we remember, you know, for the rest of our lives as fans. And I want one of the Nola brothers in the World Series. Oh, wait, we know that's going to happen. You know, you saw one of the NOLA parents wearing a shirt that was half Philadelphia Phillies logo, half San Diego Padres logo. I guess that's the way to go. That's a new way to look at a shirt is to split it down the middle like that. And you know what? We have new ways of looking at dress shirts with Roan. Remember, we love it when you lean into your personality and what makes you a person who loves wearing their shirt and loves expressing themselves and having the right shirt no matter where you are you know what the dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention and roan stepped up to the challenge roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable breathable and flexible shirt known to man and here's why Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric continues breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to your work and eight holes of golf for those of you who play golf. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle-free technology, wrinkles disappear when you stretch and wear the shirt and it's that easy. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable. So you can ditch the dry cleaner all together. Now, the commuter shirt can get you through any day from work to play. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your order by going to R H O N E dot com slash lockdown and use code lockdown. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Of course, it was another game that took place: uh, the Yankees and the Houston Astros locked antlers in a. Uh, it was a pretty exciting game. It was hardly a classic, but certainly, you know, it was one to one going to the bottom of the sixth inning. Um, the the Astros doubled up the Yankees in a four to two game. Both teams hit big home runs. Harrison Bader, you know, Harrison Bader, who was barely played after being acquired in the bizarre Jordan Montgomery trade, uh, he homered. It's his fourth home run of the postseason with the Yankees after not really participating in the regular season. I believe all, I mean, the runs, the Yankees scored two runs on two solo homers. Bader homered and Rizzo homered in the eighth inning. And the Astros hit three home runs. There was a home run by Pena, there was a home run by uh, McCormick, and there was a home run by Gurriel. Um, Maldonado hit a double for the only run that was driven in not via home run. Justin Verlander, who was dreadful his first start this postseason, and he is a sort of a weird Jekyll and Hyde in the postseason against Oakland, uh, Verlander has been on un- just completely unstoppable. He has had some wonderful postseasons. I remember, he was the LCS most valuable player in the, 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 let's just call it, funky 2017 postseason for Houston. But he's also had his butt kicked a bunch of times. Well, he had his butt kicked by Seattle at the beginning of the postseason. No butt kicking today. He struck out 11 Yankees, only let up three hits. One of them was a home run, only walked one batter in the six innings he pitched. Um, Naris pitched a shutout inning. Montero let up the Rizzo home run, but Presley came in the eighth inning and got four outs, three of them by strikeout, and the Astros wound up winning the game. Um, Tayon got the start. He didn't pitch badly. He didn't pitch very long. He didn't get through the fifth, but... Um, he he wiggled out of some trouble. I mean, he let up seven base runners in four and a third innings, but only let up one run. Now, once again, Boone's handling of the bullpen was a little strange. It was still a winnable game. Clark Schmidt showed up. He got the loss again. Actually, I don't think he got the loss in that game where he let the walk-off hit to Cleveland. I may be wrong about that. And then, you know, Trevino got out of a little bit of a – Funky jam there. And Frankie Montas came in and he hadn't pitched in what two weeks and he wasn't very good when he did. And the first batter he faced was Jeremy Pena, who homered. And you know, and that was the only I mean, that was the only hit he allowed, but still, I mean, that one homer he let up, you know, made it a 4 1 game. You know, Rizzo homered to make it 4 2. But I mean, what the heck is, I mean, look at. I understand to a degree. They just finished playing that game the other day. You know, some of their top relievers were probably a little gassed, but at the same time, this is a winnable game for New York. It was, you know, what was the score? Into it was, um it was three-one going into the seventh. And basically, if they had held that, you know, got within, you know, got within scoring distance, we got within. Uh, striking distance. We saw Rizzo homered later. You know, if the Yankees could have won game one, taken home field advantage in a game where they started tying on and Houston started um, uh, uh, Verlander, this would have been a key game for the Yankees to steal. Severino was going up against Framber Valdez on Thursday today. And, you know, I mean, Valdez had an w- absolutely wonderful season, but, but Severino's looked pretty good. Down the stretch, and you would have put the Astros a little bit on their heels. Instead, the Astros won. They held serve so far. They got a win tomorrow to completely hold home field advantage. But they also are the only team currently who still has a perfect record this postseason. They're four and four and Every other team has either played the wild card series or had to struggle through a five game division series. And the Astros remain the only perfect record and they're going tomorrow. They're going to throw Framber Valdez who, uh, you know, Verlander is probably going to win the Cy Young award. Is this going to be his fourth, but Valdez is going to be a top three. He would be the ace. I think on any other staff, including them, the Yankees are getting, you know, ace pitching level out of Cole right now, but. Valdez is, is a marvelous pitcher. And, you know, Severino's very good. And the Yankees could indeed win tomorrow, but be a much different animal if they were up 1-0 and with a chance of taking control of the series as opposed to trying to win a single game and get home field advantage. And so that's why I don't know why they're playing, you know, playing games with the like of, you know, Montas in an absolutely critical situation. You know, I mean, yesterday's game, Holmes pitched. How many, I mean, Holmes pitched. uh, How many pitches did he throw altogether? Actually, I'm on the site here. So, um, you had uh, Peralta pitched. uh, Holmes pitched 15 pitches, and Peralta pitched 16 pitches. Okay? Okay. I mean, I know you don't want to have them going back to back, and now they're all rested and ready and everything like that. But I don't know. I just I don't know why they were they were again Schmidt's coming into the game, and um, you know uh, uh, the late Frankie Montas is coming into the game. Uh, I, you know, in a winnable game where you're really trying to get this, this still didn't feel like they were going attempting to go for the jugular. I, I, I you know, Stacy Gottslius was on the show yesterday. And she was talking about how the bullpen management by Aaron Boone will always be bizarre. Well, kind of was again, and the bullpen let up three runs, and they lost four to two. So we'll see. I mean, I, the Yankees, of course, still have a puncher's chance. You know, they have, if Severino wins tomorrow, then they will have done exactly what they needed to do. But you know, there was a. This was a chance to do to do some serious damage. Now, this is also a series where the Astros really want to make a statement. They want to show that they're the best team in baseball currently playing and to be favored the rest of the way. And if they win tomorrow and build up a 5-0 record this postseason, they'd be make a heck of a case for it. Okay, I want to talk a little bit. This is the final segment of the show. Um, reading a lot of stuff about Cleveland fans angry as if Major League Baseball was against the Cleveland Guardians and that they you know, were playing games in terms of the rainout. And I had said the other day, I thought the rainout was going to help Cleveland because I thought it was going to lead to a Bieber start. Um, I still don't understand why he didn't start. I don't get it. Uh, you and, and this is not francona like. You know, you always got to throw your best pitcher, even if it's short rest. If the season's on the line, you got to give it a shot. You know, and the result that they got from Savali was horrible, and put them in a terrible situation where they were down three runs early and had to be scrambling. Um, if Bieber went up there and gave up a three run homer to Giancarlo Stanton. You tip your hat. Kind of like when um, in game seven of the 2016 World Series, uh, Corey Kluber pitched and he got hit pretty hard. But no one can begrudge uh, Francona for throwing his ace out there, even though he was gassed. Kluber was gassed. So I, I don't understand. But there's all sorts of weird conspiracy theories about how Major League Baseball didn't want a small market team, didn't want New York eliminated. You know, they they postponed the rain out or this. They could have played starting at nine something or whatever. Um, can we put an end to that? Can we put an end to sort of weird conspiracy theories like that? And, and this is coming a guy I was rooting hard for Cleveland. I wanted Cleveland to win it all for a bunch of reasons, not the least of which is to end the longest World Series drought currently in baseball and to cement Terry Francona's spot in the Hall of Fame. And also to have the great glory of seeing Cleveland win it all the year they changed their name. But I digress. It would not have been good television or maybe even good for baseball to start that game at nine, 10 o'clock at night. It was in the daytime that they played it, which is not ideal for baseball either. But do you know what? If baseball was going to be doing conspiracy theory things, why wouldn't they have done something to favor the Mets over San Diego or the Dodgers over San Diego? You can't get it to be a smaller market than San Diego, which has Los Angeles to the north, the desert to the east, the ocean to the west, and Mexico to the south a pretty small market that they have there and basically once you get past oh i don't know Legoland, everything becomes the angels and then the dodgers you know san diego isn't exactly a gigantic metropolis and a booming media market so why would they want san diego to move forward instead of new york or la i'm sorry it it was a situation where there was the, the dumbest thing was the game in between, the the day off in between games one and two of the division series, of which it turned out to be two games because of the rain delay and everything. But let's stop with the conspiracy theories because there's another thing that's happening there. And maybe it's part of the reason why San Diego advanced and Cleveland didn't, okay? Cleveland is one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, bottom five. Maybe, I don't know, just maybe, if they were a mid-range team, that was a legitimate contender. Maybe, just maybe, if they spent enough money to have a mediocre payroll, they would have had an extra bat. They wouldn't have to have the whole, let's wait for a blue pit and blue pit and blue pit and hope the Jose Ramirez gets a big hit. Maybe if they had one more masher in the middle of that lineup, it wouldn't have taken 15 hits or whatever it was to win the crazy game three and would have been there to have when they the bases loaded in game five to not just always be winning for Jose Ramirez to be the big hero. You see what San Diego did? San Diego, which is not a large market as we established, figured out maybe we'll get Machado. Maybe we'll get Soto. Maybe we'll trade for Bader. And while Bader didn't work out at first, he's been great. And while Soto was a little up and down at first, he's been getting big hits. And Machado has been an uh, MVP candidate this year in the National League. And those were all big moves. And do you know what? They also made some other moves that maybe didn't work, but at least they were trying. Signing Hosmer didn't completely work, did it? But do you know what? They at least went for it. The long-term deal for Fernando Tatis Jr., not paying off this year, but they went for it. Okay? Maybe be mad that your team that went into this year, yeah, they didn't go in as the favorite. Chicago was the favorite, and Minnesota was probably the next after that. But everybody knew they had good pitching and everyone knew they had some decent bats. They have the youngest team in baseball, one of the lowest payrolls in baseball. Instead of treating that as a feel-good story, why don't you treat that as, hey, why aren't you spending money, billionaires who happen to run the team? There are no poorer owners. The freaking Dolan family has their hands in charge of Cleveland's baseball team. They're swimming in money, and they're cheap. So instead of blaming what fox or tbs for creating rain you know maybe just maybe point the finger at the team that again if their payroll raised to the level of mediocrity maybe just maybe they would have been in a better position and you know what this is not the first time we've dealt with the cleveland franchise like this You know, when they had that amazing team in the 1990s, they went to the World Series twice. They were, you know, uh, uh, they had a lead in Game 7 of the World Series in 1997. Um, If they won the World Series then, this would not be the longest drought in in the current longest drought in baseball. Of course, they were one swing away from winning the World Series in 2016 as well. But think about those great teams they had in the 1990s. The one thing that team did not have was an absolute lockdown ace pitcher. They had some good pitchers, to be sure. Nagy was a good pitcher. Dennis Martinez was still a good pitcher. Or Hersheim was still a decent pitcher. But they didn't have the big honking ace. And think about that time. Look at some of the players and how often they moved around. Clemens moved twice. And the first time he moved to Toronto. While, the, while Cleveland was still a good team. You know, Pedro Martinez went from the Expos to the Red Sox. Kevin Brown, don't laugh at it. Kevin Brown at his peak was a great, not a good pitcher, a great pitcher. He went from Texas to the Marlins, helped the Marlins beat the Indians, and they were called the Indians back then in 1997, only to show up in San Diego the next year and lead them to the World Series and then wind up in Los Angeles. Jimmy Key moved places. Randy Johnson went from Seattle to Houston to Arizona. I mean, how many times have you seen you know, Mike Mussina went from Baltimore to New York? How many big, huge aces bounced from team to team to team to team? Kurt Schilling, Jimmy Key, David Wells, all Cy Young contenders, all moved at least once. David Wells seemed to move every hour on the hour. And never did any of these teams, any of these aces, land in Cleveland. But Sally, they couldn't sign him long term. Padres didn't sign him long term, got a pennant out of it. Marlins didn't sign Kevin Brown long term, got a World Series title out of him. You know, I mean, David Wells seemed to sign to one year deals all over the map. Doesn't make any freaking sense that they didn't acquire the ace once. So maybe get mad at the management. In the 90s, they didn't make the move they needed to do, and now they're perfectly fine, the billionaires running this team, to not raise the payroll to mediocrity. Maybe get one extra bat, one extra major league bat. I'm not even talking about you know Juan Soto, just one more decent bat in the middle of that lineup. And chances are Cleveland's still playing right now. So I'd, I'd be less mad at the weather in Fox and more mad at the franchise ownership. By the way, I have many, many friends and family who are Met fans, and wow, I feel badly for them. Think about this for a second. We've had a couple of instances where it looked like the Mets were on the verge of taking over the control of the city in terms of the fan base and everything. And if the Phillies just win the rest of their home games, that's all they do, win the rest of their home games, then they will go to the World Series. And the last three full seasons played – not counting the COVID year, the last three full seasons played would include a Nationals World Series championship, a Braves World Series championship, and possibly a Philadelphia trip to the World Series, all the while the Mets are looking from the outside, looking in. And maybe, just maybe, third-place Philadelphia leapfrogging both the Mets and Atlanta. Potentially face the Yankees in the World Series. Is there a bigger nightmare for Met fans? I don't know. I'm, I'm almost advising Met fans to stop watching. Stop watching. Walk your dog, hug your spouse, call your aunt, do something because this may be too much to handle. But it's not too much to handle for me to be doing a podcast just about every single day. So go to Lockdown and MLB Pods on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, I'm your pal Sullyman, Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Taking a look at the league championship series and the Holden teams holding serve. This has been Locked On MLB for the 20th day of October 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.